Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Hey everyone, I'm Mackenzie and I'm your guest host today. I'm sitting here with Emerald Pallet, also known as Adria. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. So let's just jump right in. What is Emerald Pallet and how did you get started? Yeah, so the Emerald Palette is a resource to help people discover the Pacific Northwest, uh, mainly through food makers and different types of travel adventures around the region uh, and surrounding states. I kind of extend into places like Idaho and BC and that. Uh, and so, yeah, I do that through um, a lot of free content on my website or Instagram, uh, but I also uh, offer self-guided food tours of Seattle, travel planning services where I help people create custom itineraries. And then I am hoping to relaunch small group tours to different areas in Washington. Uh, but unfortunately, my first one started uh, March 2020, and I had to cancel it. So <laughs> haven't brought those back yet. <laughs> yeah, the pandemic kind of put a stop on a lot of things travel wise, didn't it? Yeah, oh yeah. Um, are you originally from Washington State? Are you from the Pacific Northwest? I am not. I am a big fan of it, though, uh, because I came from the East Coast. I grew up in New Jersey. I went to school in upstate New York uh, and moved out here about 15 years ago. So it's been a, a fair chunk of time. Uh, and I think that that's what made me just really in awe and appreciate it so much because uh, there is still not a day that I don't gawk at Rainier when it's out. Uh, I just love this area so much. After 15 years, you're definitely considered a local, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It flies by, though. So much to discover. <laughs> what was your inspiration for starting this, the online sharing where to eat, where to go, the itineraries? What was your inspiration for that? Yeah, um, so the, the Emerald Palette has kind of like an interesting background in the sense that I'd actually started in 2009 as a street style blog. Um, you know, any old school followers right, might remember that it was called the Emerald Closet. Uh, and I was doing street style and documenting a lot of that. Um, and it, it was pretty popular uh, at the time because, you know, that was when street style, street style and like the intentional, uh, not the intentionalist, the uh, satorialist uh, was coming out. Uh, and there wasn't a big market in Seattle for people doing that. Uh, so if anybody's interested in doing street style, I would be a proponent of that because I think it's a gap missing in the market. Um, and I started that because I was working in marketing. I was at a job that was just really boring me. Um, but my job was reaching out to media to try to um, get them to cover the company I was working for. And through that, I discovered like blogs and, you know, influencers before Instagram was around. And I thought this would be a good way to, you know, put, put some time <laughs> to not be bored, I guess. And um, I did that. But I let it um, kind of go to the wayside because my interest in fashion just waned. And I had always had the plan when I, when I started it that I wanted to have different brands. So the Emerald Closet was going to be style. The Emerald Palette was going to be food. And I had a few other ideas. Um, but anybody else who does this knows it's like a ton of work. <laughs> and so my ambitions... Uh, that tempered them a little bit. And I was like, you know, I'm not really interested in fashion anymore, but I've always been interested in in food and travel. And so let me just rebrand into the Emerald Palette. And so I did that in about 2013. And, um, you know, I've always just been a person that my, all my friends came to for like 
where should I go for this restaurant or this travel? Because I've always made really intense, like either spreadsheets or Google maps when I travel and all of my friends would ask me for them. And I had one friend just be like, why don't you like sell these or put them on the internet? And I was like, you know, it's a really good idea. And I think that was kind of the, the pivot point of like, making the Emerald Palette a thing and how um, all of my services kind of manifested to what they are today. So anytime you go on a vacation, do you have a full-on spreadsheet of what you're doing oh. and where you're going and like a timeline yes. too? <laughs> I'm so nerdy and intense. Yes, it is really embarrassing when I say it out loud. Um, but yeah, I, you know, since Google Maps has launched, that's been my go-to. So I make Google Maps um, and, you know, I try to organize them by like food and activities and that. And I just found that that kind of really helped me get a sense of a place before I go. Um, so that, you know, when I do serendipitously cross, come across something, it's because I'm walking in an area that the map is telling me, oh, this is a concentration of things or, oh, this is me driving to the middle of nowhere to get this one thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm very much a planner, but my planning is usually just around, food and like farting around areas to go into shops so it's kind of serendipitous in a lot of ways when I'll just like jump into something but I am not the type that could just show up to an area with no plan uh just not my style (laughs) I definitely am with you on that I cannot stand going on a vacation and just being like oh well whatever we find today will be lovely I'm like no we need the list I know. I need to know where we're eating. I need to look at the menu. I need to know what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. You know, a lot of people aren't aren't like that. And, you know, that's why um I had started my travel planning services because um I am not my client and that's okay. Like I'm looking to help the people who are not um into that uh intensity, but kind of like the idea of having somebody to plan it, but they just don't go they don't want to do it themselves. I think that's usually the stop, the reason people don't do it. It's because it's a lot of work to, to think about it. So. I definitely agree with you on that. It is a lot of work to plan it out. Are the people that are coming to you for the itinerary planning, are they, I'm guessing they're not from the Pacific Northwest, then they're probably coming from other parts of the country or maybe even from abroad. Yeah, I mean, it's actually a really good mix, which uh, surprised me because I thought it was going to be mostly people who um, were traveling here. Uh, And I would say the majority of people that I uh, work with are um, the ones that aren't from here are from the U.S. So there's been a few that are coming from abroad, but I would say they're mostly um, people coming from Texas or like Iowa and like more that, I guess, um, central area of the U.S. Uh, but I also have a lot of uh, local um, clients. So they're just looking to have a getaway to an area that they don't um, know as well. Uh, and so there's a fair, it's pretty even mix, actually. Do you also include like hotels and shops on, on your itineraries? Yeah, totally. So what um, it how it kind of works is that I um, am very similar to a travel agent. So I have a travel agent's license, but the only difference is I don't book things, but I plan everything else. So um, what uh, I do is they, um, once I start working with a client, they fill out a travel questionnaire to kind of let me know their interests and preferences. And it's pretty detailed. Uh, And then what I do is I um, do everything from finding accommodations, 
sorting out um, the transportation they need, especially with things like the Washington State Ferry. That's usually something that intimidates a lot of people. So I do a lot of um, handholding with that. Uh, and then I uh, fill in um, activities for them to choose from to give me an idea, like, what are you interested in? And then I put all of that into an itinerary so that their every hour of their trip is planned for. Um, and that doesn't mean that they're doing something every hour, because one of the questions I ask is like, what's your pace of travel? Um, but it means like the itinerary will say, okay, these two hours are back at the hotel to chill, or the, the, this hour is going to be going to do this activity. And so it really helps people not have to think if they don't want to. But then I also include like sort of optional um, swap-ins that they can do on a whim if they feel like it. So it allows people to have that flexibility, but also if they just want to show up and not really have to think about it, it lays everything out for them. And so the only thing they need to do is like book the accommodation directly or um, make a reservation or whatnot directly. That honestly sounds like such a nice way to travel. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it totally, it totally is. (laughs) How long would you say if someone wanted, for example, like a three-day itinerary from start to finish, like they fill out the questionnaire, how long does it take you to get say a medium paced traveler, a three day itinerary? Yeah. So I usually ask people, uh, my preference is if people book me at minimum a month in advance. And the reason for that is especially if it's the busy travel season, it really limits their accommodation options if they're trying to do like a last minute trip. Um, but it also depends on like where they want to go and their preferences, right? That depends. It it really depends on like how uh, much they want to be involved with giving feedback, how sort of picky might they be? Um, everybody has a little bit of a different, um, you know, style. And so I like to say it's like a minimum of a month, just because I think that makes it less stressful for everybody. But there have been some that I've done a quicker turnaround where it uh, makes sense. Uh, But I wouldn't say it's like a week or anything. So I usually uh, can't take on clients that are like, hi, I'm traveling this weekend. Can you help? Uh, It's just, it is a lot of work (laughs) for me too. (laughs) Of course. How do you go about adding something to either the itinerary or on your website or Instagram? What makes, for example, a restaurant worthy for you to recommend? What does it have to have for you to be like, okay, this has my stamp of approval? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, first and foremost, um, especially for the content that shows up on my Instagram or my website, um, everything has been vetted by me. I don't share anything that hasn't been. And if I do, um, then I say it in there. Like I have a few articles that are about, for example, the best hikes and some of them I haven't been on, but I know from all of my hiker besties, some of them even have uh, contributed to those articles. They've vetted it. So I do a lot of vetting of content before I share it. Um, And then for my travel planning clients, sometimes they're getting the benefit of like, my um, intense maps that I've made for myself of things that I've read, oh, you definitely got to go here. Um, And I'm very straightforward. If I'm like, hey, I haven't been here yet, but so-and-so recommended or has like this many reviews. And so I'm always really straight up, but I always give preference to my recommendations. Those usually only come in if they are, um, you know, they either have certain dietary or preference needs, or if their trip is like super 
long. Like I've planned um, trips that are like 12 to 14 days and it's like, you know, okay, we're running out of my, my personal short list. So here's some things that I've curated <laughs> that um, are on my list to, to travel to. Um, but yeah, I do a lot to, to vet and make sure that it's something that I would recommend. Um, and I also am very big on making sure that it's a local brand. I don't um, share many uh, national chains or, or anything. So I want to give people sort of the essence of the Pacific Northwest and support small businesses. Definitely. You also do neighborhood food tours. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about those? Like start to finish, what does a neighborhood food tour look like? Yeah. So um, the biggest uh, difference between an in-person food tour and the food tour I offer is that they're self-guided. So there's no uh, tour guide. There's no group of other strangers that you're going with. Um, but that's where the biggest difference is because if you've ever gone on an in-person food tour, basically what I'm doing is I'm trying to recreate that structure, the stories you hear, um, the recommendations and the insider tips of what to get and putting it in a self-guided format. Um, so what it looks like is like when somebody purchases it, it's a digital download and a PDF that they can easily open up on their phone. Um, and then I include a Google map with walking directions uh, because all of it is um, walkable. I try to hone in on neighborhoods where it's a, a walkable um, area and concentration of food, similar to a in-person food tour. And then it literally is like, here's some background, here's history of this place. Um, here's things to know before you go the best time to go, uh, how to get there transportation-wise if people uh, will not have a car. And then it goes into an actual itinerary. So all of them have about eight to nine stops. And it says, okay, start at 11 a.m., for example. Stop one, go here, get this. Here's information about it um, from like my own personal story. I do a lot of interviews with the, the restaurants. Um, so there's interviews with them in there. Uh, and then they go through the the itinerary. And then at the end, I include worthy mentions of other restaurants or bars or whatnot that I really love in that area. So that if people want to swap it out, if they're traveling on a time that, um, you know, maybe that one restaurant that's on the actual core I the itinerary is closed, then they have options for swapping out. Um, and then the last thing is uh, in info about things to do that aren't eating that I really like in there. Um, because, you know, even champion eaters usually need to take a little bit of break on these food tours. Uh, with <laughs> a, lot, a lot of food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds like a nice way to spend the day, though, especially being able to go at your own pace and not having to worry about, like you said, being in, in a group of strangers. No, totally. And I, I think there's like a lot of benefits to that too. Like I think one is for all of the introverts out there, you know, myself included. I love taking in-person food tours when I travel, but I get really anxious about having to talk to strangers. <laughs> um, that's just me. Uh, and so I love the idea of that. Um, but the other other things are like, you know, if anybody has any mobility issues, there could be a lot of anxiety around keeping up with people. Um, and then the other thing is just like always wondering, like, are you getting the top tier recommendations? Are you getting like the B or D list? Um, because before I started them, I actually looked at in-person food tours. I considered that. Um, but just from like, I just realized from an operational 
reality standpoint is that not all restaurants can or want to work with groups, um, whether that be their like their space constraints, they're too popular and they don't feel like they need that kind of source of exposure or whatever. Um, and then I just realized like, oh, there's places I want to recommend, but I can't realistically put them on an in-person tour. And so that that was like a that kind of went against my own ethos in life. And so that's how the safe the self-guided came out to be. How do you determine which neighborhoods you're going to include on the different food tours? And how many neighborhoods do you have at the moment that you have these self-guided food tours for? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. So um, in terms of how I decide the neighborhoods, um, there's a little bit, there's there's kind of a checklist in my head that I use. I mean, the first one is I give preference to neighborhoods that do not get a lot of love um, in terms of like promoting to tourists. Um, because if you look at any guidebook, basically all guidebooks and tourists stay in like the downtown core area. Uh, so I like to give preference to neighborhoods that I think are really the heart and soul of Seattle, but most people who are visiting don't go to. Um, and so that's kind of my first one. The second one is like, do they have a concentration of restaurants that are conducive to a walking tour? Because again, I'm trying to make it, you know, a, a food crawl day, whether you're a local or a tourist, and it's just logistically doesn't make sense to have to drive um, all over. Uh, and then the last one is, is it a neighborhood that I love, have a lot of favorite restaurants, um, and one that I basically tell all of my personal friends to go to if they were going to travel here and hadn't been here. Uh, because, yeah, I, like I said, I do a lot of vetting. Uh, and for my food tours, nobody pays me to be in that. I don't accept anything like that because I don't want to, um, yeah, I just don't want to take kickbacks or anything. And so I personally reach out to all of the restaurants and I'm like, hey, I'm going to include you no charge or anything. The only thing I ask is letting me interview you <laughs> because I like to get uh, information for it. Um, so those, that's how I decide. And the three that I have right now, I have three. Um, I have Ballard and Fremont, which are were my first ones. Um, and that's because I love those neighborhoods. I lived in those areas the whole 15 years that I've lived here. Um, and then I just last week, or actually this week, this Monday, what, what time is it? I don't even know. This week, I launched my <laughs> Georgetown food tours. Oh, time's a circle, right? And uh, these days, but yeah, this week I launched Georgetown, uh, which I'm super excited about because I feel like nobody really talks about that neighborhood. And it's such a fun, artsy neighborhood um, that has kind of drums to its own beat. I know Fremont calls itself the center of the universe, but I don't know. I think Georgetown could give it a run for <laughs> run for its money. <laughs> I think you're definitely right. Nobody really ever talks about Georgetown online. No, they don't, the but it's such a gem. Yeah. And I'm like super into vintage shopping, like decor. And I, from like the past 10, 15 years I've lived here, that, that area and soda were like my go-tos. And so I'm like, why is nobody coming here? It's so cool. So hopefully <laughs> help people discover it. <laughs> I hope so. Is there, are there any neighborhoods that you have like in mind that you would like to add that you haven't added yet or? Oh, yes. I have so many. I'm actually, my, my goal was actually launch more than just one. And so I'm a little behind on that, but they just take so much work because I go to the neighborhood multiple times to capture new content, interviewing the, the businesses and so forth. Um, but yes, I have a bunch on the short list. Um, I really want to do um, the Central District. I think that that's mm -hmm. like a really um, awesome 
spot with a lot of really awesome restaurants that should be getting more love. Um, West Seattle is another place that I'd recommend. I just love that area. Um, and I don't think that many people go to it, but their foodie scene is really good, especially for pizza. Weirdly, all of like the really good pizza places are in West Seattle. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I should do like a pizza only edition, but, um, that's an area I really want to do. Um, and then I've definitely thought about doing like Capitol Hill or, um, Greenwood is another area. Uh, maybe Edmonds going a little bit on the outside of the city proper, uh, Burien. So yeah, I have a list of a bunch. <laughs> it's just like trying <laughs> to knock them down and get through the list. It's, it's a lot. I definitely think you should work on West Seattle because I lived in West Seattle for a while and I worked in a restaurant there and the food in that part of the city is just, it is so good. There's so many good options and so many great coffee shops and just, oh, I love it. I love that area of the city. Me too. I have like all of these lists of restaurants I need to visit, not even just for my food tour, but just, you know, in life and my West Seattle one is obnoxious. <laughs> There's <just> so many <laughs> restaurants and, and bars and that there. So <laughs> I believe you. If there was this, this might be a tough question. Um, if there was only one restaurant that you would recommend to people to visit when in Seattle. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what would it That's be? That's the hardest question. <laughs> oh gosh, um, I should have like or maybe, prepared this. Maybe top two or three. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'll. I can maybe give my top, my top three. I guess let's let's do that. Um, <laughs> Painful. I know. All right. Well, I can I can give you the this might maybe be my number one because I literally recommend it to everybody that I'm doing a trip plan for in Seattle because I love it so much. Um, it's Rock Creek in Fremont. Um, mm -hmm. I just love Rock Creek. Um, if people aren't familiar, they are a um, uh, seafood focused place, very Pacific Northwest style menu, uh, focusing on local ingredients and that uh, with a lot of fish, um, but also other things for people who aren't big fish eaters. Uh, and they're just consistently awesome, great ambiance. Uh, and I, again, feel like it's a restaurant that people who are really into food know, like, yeah, they're a popular place, but also they don't get as much credit, I feel, as other places. <laughs> uh, and I think one of their low-key best things are their desserts. Like nobody's talking about their damn desserts. They are so good. <laughs> what do you usually so, yeah, get for Rock dessert there? They make these like cups, they're mason jar cups of desserts. Mm. And I usually get both of their s'more cup and their key lime mm. pie cup. It's like, I can't choose. So I'm just going to get both. Um, that sounds good. They're just mind blowing and they're so comforting and classic. So they're like, Oh, maybe that's like the, not the most creative dessert ever, but then they're like making their own marshmallow, uh, meringue. And then they're like making their own graham cracker and they're, you know, recreating that nostalgia with the, um, the flame to make it roasted. So definitely, even if you just go there for desserts, I, I love Rock Creek. Um, so that's probably one, um, I love Delancey up in uh, Ballard as well. Um, they do uh, wood-fired pizza. Um, I remember going to their soft opening when they opened a long time ago when I first moved here. was nostalgic for the East Coast. 
And I literally teared up when I tried their Brooklyn pie. Um, it tastes exactly like the pies from back home. And so always have a special place in my heart for Delancey that I would say is a little bit more on the casual side compared to Rock Creek. Uh, and then, geez, I guess the last one for like, if people want a super fancy restaurant, hmm, there's just so many good ones. I mean, I really like, um, I mean, Sushi Kashiba is a classic. A lot of people, I tell people to go there because it's like a, a like a quintessential Seattle experience and they make excellent sushi. Um, so that would probably be one of the tops that I recommend. And that's in downtown in the market. Those are some really good options. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, my the fine dining one switches out, but yeah, I would say that that's uh, one that's often on the list. I think I'm going to have to go to Rock Creek because homemade marshmallows are just, it's like a hug. It, it's just like uh. eating a hug, especially when you've tried to make your own marshmallows and realize how difficult it is. When someone can master that, you appreciate it even more. Totally, totally. And I love that they they do have a menu that like it has dishes that changes and that with the what's in season, but there are a few that have always been on there. And I just pray that they will never take them off because they're my go-tos. Like I'm finding it harder and harder to try new dishes because I find a new favorite and there's like four that I always get. And so I'm like, okay, how can I fit a fifth or a sixth dish on the table? <laughs> and they have a great brunch too. Just like, I'm a big fan all around. <laughs> <laughs> all right shout out to rock <laughs> so I, they did not sponsor about... this <laughs> <laughs> maybe they should <laughs> I know. <laughs> all right let's talk about day trips from seattle you're in seattle you want to see more of the surrounding areas get out of the city a little bit where do you think people should go Oh, great question. Um, so many places. I think like one of the first places I recommend to people who are ready to get out of the city, if they're not um, either from here or maybe they just moved here. I love the islands uh, around Seattle. And we're very fortunate that we have a few that are only a short um, ferry right away. So um, Bainbridge or Vashon, I think are the most reasonable for like a day trip. Um, but you could also do Whidbey in a day trip if you're ambitious uh, honestly you could do the San Juans too if you're ambitious um, but uh, I would say would be uh, excuse me Bainbridge and Vashon are the best um, and when I tell people like how to pick between the two I say Bainbridge is the best for like if you like wine because they have a lot of wineries and if they um, if you like shopping because I think that island has the best concentration of like a core downtown shopping area uh, with cute local shops um and you can technically visit. That's the only island you could visit without a car uh, because all of the others, like the ferry drops you off in like no man's land and it would just be unreasonable to not have a car. Um, so that uh, and Vashon is the place to go for food. Like there's just so many awesome farms and uh, food scene there. Um, but I also like people who don't want to deal with the ferry. Um, I really love north of Seattle in the um, Skagit and Whatcom County areas. Um so whether, you know, going to Skagit uh, beyond the Tulip Festival is like my favorite. There's just so many farms up there. Um, and that's actually the area that my uh, small group food retreat was going to be in March 2020 when I um, was going to do that. Uh, there's just so much going on there. Um, 
I don't feel like a lot of people know that they're like looked at as one of the best grain areas in the U.S. Like they're doing a lot of interesting things, especially because there's um, uh, the the college up there that um, does fun things with, with grain. That's beyond my knowledge, but uh, they do a lot of interesting things with trying to restore heirloom grains and then a lot of the local businesses around there actually use those grains so you have like um breweries using those grains and the malts created from them you have um malt companies they're the middleman that kind of um helps the grain get from farm to those businesses but then it's on the coast so you have like a ton of oysters um, a ton of seafood and shellfish uh, so just love that area, basically starting from like LaConnor up through Bellingham, I just think is such a, a gem. Um, so those are great day trips. And then South, I think not a lot of people who live in Seattle go to Tacoma or Olympia. Like they're just like, oh, what's there? But I think that there's a yeah. lot um, going on there. Um, and I know a lot of my followers live in uh, the South Seattle and the areas down um, there. And they're always talking about Olympia and Tacoma. Um, and so I think that those are super cool areas um as well i went to high school in tacoma and i absolutely just i love it there's so much to do and it's still a city but a lot less of the city feeling that you get in seattle like it's city but kind of with a smaller town vibe to it and there's so much to eat and drink and do and the waterfront is just gorgeous No, it totally is. And I think that a lot of people don't realize how pretty Tacoma is because it's on the water. Um, And yeah, the food scene, there's a lot of like under the radar places that I feel like doesn't get a lot of love. Um, So literally anytime I go anywhere south, I'm like, okay, where on my obnoxious list of Olympia or Tacoma can I uh, tack on uh, this trip? So uh, awesome area. Have you ever been to MSM Deli in Tacoma? No, but it's on my list because I've heard everybody says that it's so awesome. Um, I'd actually tried to go there on our way to Seabrook a few weeks ago, but it was a day that they were um, they weren't open. It was outside their hours, so one day you need to go. Everyone listening oh. to this, the next time in your Tacoma, <laughs> go to MSM, get the Mike's Deluxe. Thank me later. It is the best sandwich you will ever eat in your entire life. I swear. So good. Mike's Deluxe. I'm going to write that down because I didn't have a, (laughs) it didn't have it written down what to get. So I'll make sure not to make that amateur move. (laughs) (laughs) It's the absolute best. Where outside of the Pacific Northwest do you still have on your bucket list? I mean, to see, it could be in the States, it could be abroad. Is there somewhere that you're like, okay, that is my dream. I want to go there. I want to experience it. I mean, literally everywhere. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I love traveling. I, I do. Um, and I, I do before the pandemic, especially I do travel a lot internationally. I've just, um, you know, I take those as more vacations and don't uh, write or share about them beyond my Instagram stories, but I love international travel. Um, I, uh, really want to go to Iceland. I've only ever flown through it and somehow have never been able to make that whole deal work of like, Oh, do a stopover. Cause I swear every time I look, it like, isn't a thing when I'm traveling through Iceland. <laughs> um, so I uh, would love to go there. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I really want to go to like explore the, the Beaujolais area of France. It's like one of my favorite uh, wine grapes um, for people who aren't uh, familiar. It's kind, it's kind of like a Pinot. It's a Gamay uh, grape. Uh, would love to explore there. Um, I've been bare, I haven't been anywhere in South America, which is like totally embarrassing. So I'd love to explore more there. Um, Brazil and that. So yeah, I mean, my international travel bucket list is huge. Um, and in terms of the U S or um, North America, uh, I really want to explore more of the Kelowna area, um, in, in Canada, uh, and then like Banff and Calgary, like that whole scene, uh, and more of the Vancouver islands, um, I think those areas are similar to the vibe in Pacific Northwest with their um, agricultural and uh, outdoor focus. Um, and then I just went to New Orleans for the first time <laughs> this past March. I can't believe it's been that I haven't done it, but I want to explore more of the U.S., um, like Charleston and Asheville and those areas. So very big bucket list. I've never been to New Orleans, but that's also high on my bucket list of places to go, I have to say. I always talk to to my partner. I'm like, should I like sell this itinerary I made? Because it is super intense. It would make no sense on my brand. For my brand, it's like Pacific Northwest. And then here's the random New Orleans thing. But I swear, it's like I spent probably like 70 hours putting it together. I just, so much food. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to ask you, do you feel like when you travel that you, do you feel the stress of making itineraries, even if they're not Pacific Northwest related? Because I feel like that's a good idea. That's a good niche to have just itineraries in general for places that you go, that you vetted, that you know are good. No, you're, you're making me excited. So you're telling me it's not weird (laughs) to be Pacific Northwest and then have these random... Not at all, because it would, like, you think, the people that live in Washington could be like, oh, I want to go to New Orleans. I've heard of her before. Let's check out her itinerary for that. Oh, okay. You're you're bringing up a lot of ideas. (laughs) Yeah, because honestly, I go ham when I travel. So, yes, I feel the stress of travel. The FOMO is so real when I travel. Um, You, I, like, and I do, like, super obnoxious things too like I'll just we literally had like nine meals one day in New Orleans because I was like we just got to eat at all of these places it'll make sense <laughs> I just I, don't know. I need I, to travel with you I think <laughs> we would get along great <laughs> I know I know and and it's funny one of my um one of my past travel planning clients um who said that they were really into food I like was like let me map you on a little food tour and they were like wow, this is a lot. I was like, oh, okay, let me, let me dial that back. (laughs) Cause yeah, I just, I just love eating. And so when you go to places like New Orleans, like you should have seen my, my Google map, you could barely see the map. There were so many pins. And then my short list was like a hundred restaurants. So yeah, I I definitely feel the stress. (laughs) How many beignets did you eat? I mean, Oh gosh. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, we only went to one, we went to Cafe du Monde, um, because I am much more of a savory person than I am a sweet. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, we, but we ate a lot of like po'boys. We went on like a little po'boy crawl. <laughs> I love, so, a po- I love a good po'boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so love, I love eating and I just love experiencing local areas and culture and stuff. And so, try to pack it in 
So going back to Seattle Pacific Northwest, how do you how do you decide which new restaurant you want to try? Are you on Yelp? Are you on Instagram? Are you is it like from friends that you're hearing it? Yeah, great, uh, great question. I mean, I um, I try to have a bunch of different resources and then look for themes. It's basically how I I look at it. Um, so I have a list. I write down pretty much every new restaurant that, or bar or something that comes out <laughs> that I'm like, oh, that's something like I should keep my my finger on. And so I have like this whole like list organized by neighborhood and that. Um, so I have that, and then. I also, um, base it off of things. Like if I'm seeing like a bunch of people on Instagram are saying it or like articles from a bunch of the foodie, um, publications around here. Like I've, I look at pretty much all of them. Like I'm looking at, um, you know, Nosh Pit News, I'm looking at uh, Eater, uh, Seattle Times, like just all of them. Um, so I look for, yeah, what are people kind of talking about, um, but then I also, uh, how I prioritize it is that basically I have a, I create an editorial calendar for the next couple of months or the, the half of the year. And I prioritize based on like, what articles do I have coming next? And so I make lists of like, okay, I really need to put together a best sushi list. Let me put down, jot down, what do I consider the best sushi? And then I'll look at that list and I'll be like, I feel like I should do a little bit more research. And so then I'll make a list of like, what sushi places do I need to to go to and, and vet and try. And so then I'll just eat sushi for like months. <laughs> That's, yeah. So I like kind of move from cuisine to cuisine. Yeah. I do a lot of that. Um, <laughs> I love it. And then if there's an air, and then if there's an area that has like a concentration of restaurants, I usually just schedule like a little food tour for, my partner and me sometimes will bring along my family because my 11 year old niece loves food, bless her heart. And so she'll be, she'll, she loves, she loves it. So I'll do stuff like that too. That sounds fun. So it's safe to say your partner's also a foodie then. Oh yes. I mean, gosh, I don't know if I could be with somebody who wasn't. I food so much. So yes, big foodie as well. And bless, bless his heart being okay with, uh, not eating until photos are taken or video are taken or being my hand model. So <laughs> being your hand model. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Going back to the San Juans, because I agree with what you said. If you're very ambitious, you can't do it as a day trip from Seattle. However, I will argue to stay the night or two on the San Juans just to oh, yeah. truly get the whole experience. Do you oh, have yeah. Any... oh yeah, I am. Um... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, do you have any recommendations restaurant wise, what to do wise, all of that? Yeah. Yeah. So the San Juan Islands, I love it there. Um, it feels like a getaway, but it's close ish. Um, but it takes yeah. about three hours when all is said and done from Seattle. So like you said, you can do it in a day trip, but not recommended. Um, you know, the most islands that the, the three islands, most people visit are Lopez, Orcas and the San Juan Island, um, the big Island. Um, I love all of them for different reasons. Uh, my go-to probably is San Juan Island. Cause I think it has the best mix of outdoor activities and viewpoints and restaurants and things to do. Uh, but I love all of them for different reasons. Um, 
on uh, San Juan Island restaurant wise. Um, I really love uh, Westcott shellfish, uh, Westcott Bay shellfish. Um, I really like duck soup is somewhere that I always kind of go. Um, so food wise, I definitely recommend those places. Uh, and then I love like um, going over to the San Juan Island uh, sculpture park. I think that's super cool there that it's just like this park with all these sculptures that you can actually buy. They all have like really expensive price tags on them. So like, I don't know. I didn't realize them, you could you buy them. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that, that was super cool. Yeah. There's so many artists on the, all of the San Juan islands, but I would say um, the San Juan Island and Orcas Island have like a huge concentration of artists. Um, so love it there. Um, I would probably say my more favorite restaurants, like favorite, favorite are on the other islands. So like on Lopez, um, I, uh, absolutely love um ursa minor uh they are just doing really incredible things with local ingredients uh so they are a uh, destination dining for sure on lopez um i love uh matia on matia i've actually never said that restaurant out loud so <laughs> apologies if i'm saying that wrong on orcas um yeah that one is just super great uh, and, you know, Hogstone is making great pizza and, um, I love brown bear baking on Orcas. Uh, and yeah, so lots of really awesome food and drink areas, uh, on there. Um, oh, and there's this really cool cocktail bar called uh, barnacle bar on Orcas Island that I always recommend people go to if they like cocktails and that. What's um, your go-to cocktail? Yeah. Oh gosh. I, you know, I, I'm not like super cool and have like a, Oh, give me a Manhattan type <laughs> drink. That's like a classic. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm not that cool. I tend, but I always gravitate towards uh, cocktails that have bourbon or mezcal or tequila mm -hmm. in them. Um, those are kind of my, my jam. Uh, so especially if they use like savory or spicy ingredients, like I love, uh, yeah. When they do that. Yeah. <laughs> I saw going back to savory kind of I saw on TikTok a woman putting jalapenos in her rosé have you Ooh, seen that before that's probably, I know no but I bet you it's awesome like I, I bet, I bet you, it's you it's good, so if, good. You get, if you get past the like oh my god you're defaming a beautiful bottle of rosé if you get past <laughs> that um yeah because it's kind of like a, a spicy sangria I mean sangria you put yeah. all types of stuff in it right so Hmm. that's on my list of things try to try this weekend <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's a good idea do you so your first retreat was canceled because of the pandemic are you going to get another one up and going or are you just kind of playing it out by ear depending on what the rules are with covid or what what's on the books for that yeah, I do. I do want to uh, launch it again. Um, I'm probably not going to do it until at least 2023, probably the later portion of it. Um, because yeah, I just want to see how COVID's going. I know everybody's like over it and we all pretend that it's over, but it kind of isn't. So I'm trying to like, <laughs> you know, be, be safe about that. Um, but my hope is to actually just do the, um, the one I had planned in the Skagit area because it, it was literally all planned. I had launched it. People were like signing up and then I was like, Oh, sorry, I'm going to cancel this. So that one's ripe and ready to go. Um, so I'd probably start with that one. Um, but there's so many awesome areas. Um, you know, the two other areas that I had on my short list that I hope to do 
as well are um, the Chelan area. Mm. I love uh, Lake Chelan and the wineries. And I have a bunch of friends who are doing interesting things and farms there. Um, So that region. And then I love Columbia Gorge. Um, That whole area over there is so fertile and has like, you know, the fruit trail, um, the farm trail and the wineries and breweries uh, and obviously beautiful landscape. So that's also on my short list. So hopefully they'll be back in 2023. I hope so. I, in the Columbia Gorge area, that is also a very overlooked part of the state, I feel like. Totally, totally. And, you know, I have, um, my audience is very much like the Seattle, you know, radius base in Washington. And I am just so amazed at how the mental model of Oregon is so far to people. Um, And I'm just like, yo, I've done a day trip to Portland before. (laughs) Like, I've definitely done that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, another ambitious one, like the San Juan Islands, it's a little ambitious, but it's doable. And so um, I love Oregon uh, a lot. And so I love the idea of Columbia Gorge, because then you can kind of go on both sides of um, the state and the states and maybe make make people more open to Oregon not being too far. I remember in high school when we got our driver's license, me and my girlfriend at the time, my friend Shannon, we would drive from Tacoma and go down to Voodoo Donuts in Portland and, I love drive, it. and drive back home. And sorry, Dad, that you're hearing this now, but our parents <laughs> never knew. And so for me, the idea of spending the day in Portland always felt like, yeah, well, why not do it? You can drive down there, yeah. be there in a few hours. <laughs> No, totally. You could do that. I mean, you could do that with Vancouver too. I mean, yeah, the yeah. border crossing is a little bit more annoying, but you can easily do it. Um, so I love going on, you know, kind of spontaneous adventures like that. Uh, and I hope people go to Oregon more because it's so great. <laughs> I mean, I know we're a Washington State podcast, but I'm gonna, I will agree with you. Oregon is pretty cool. <laughs> But don't tell anybody we said that. (laughs) Don't let my dad hear that. (laughs) Oh, is there anything else that I didn't ask you that that you think our audience should know about you? Um, well, no, I mean, you're super thorough. I mean, I think, um, you know, and this is both me and I guess like, honestly, any sort of, you know, creator you follow on either Instagram or, you know, their blogs or TikTok or whatever, is that like, um, so much thought goes into it for people who are like, you know, a business. (laughs) I do consider myself a business. And I know, um, that, um, it's interesting because you hear, you get a lot of questions or feedback where like people try to, they have a hard time wrapping their head around that. Um, you know, me or somebody similar as a business. And they're like, Oh, you're just like a cool person on the internet. Um, and that's cool. Like, cause we're, you know, we try to be authentic. Like I'm not like being a business and not being authentic, but I think people don't realize how much like thought or, um, research for example, goes into something. And so, you know, sometimes I'll get a lot of, um, questions and comments on Instagram posts or reels that definitely just don't assume good intent. I would say. And so they're like, Oh, you missed this or, Oh, this isn't a thing. Did you make that up? And I'm like, no, I swear to God, I did look it up. (laughs) I did research it. And so, um, it's interesting that people don't always assume good intent and it's like a motto. I try to live in life, you know, outside of the internet. And so I would just say, 
um, assume good intent and, you know, be nice on the internet. <laughs> be kind. There is a person behind yeah. the screen, even if you yeah. think there isn't. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> so where can people find you that are interested in learning more about your itineraries or booking something with you? Yeah, totally. Um, so again, my name is Adria, but my uh, business is called the Emerald Palette, and that's palette as in your uh, mouth palette, not your paint palette. So it's spelled a little differently. Um, and I'm on Instagram at Emerald Palette, uh, and then I also have a website uh, www.emeraldpalette.com, and you can find all of the information there. I will add that to the show notes as well for people that are listening that they can find you easier. Awesome. Yeah, I know the spelling is always a fun, fun test. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for being on today. No, thank you. I had so much fun. (laughs) Bye. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.